Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. He calls so this mighty man, and again and again he's referred to as that mighty man. It refers to a man of strength, of valor, of power. Saul misused and abused his position. He used his power wrongfully to hurt, to harm, to destroy. God will always hold people in account how they use their position of authority. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet At some point we will all be in a position of authority, be it over one person or 100 people. In today's message, Pastor Ed shares a psalm that addresses the less than efficient job that King Saul had done as an authority figure. Saul's example is one to learn from, however, and we are reminded that when we too are in the spotlight, we have an even higher authority to answer to, God. God will be watching how we deal with those around us and how we handle situations that are thrown our way. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Prophetic Prayer. Building in faith. Psalm 52 Why do you boast of evil, you mighty man? Why do you boast all day long? You who are a disgrace in the eyes of God. Your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor. You who practice deceit. You love evil rather than good. Falsehood rather than speaking the truth. Selah. You love every harmful word. Oh, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Selah. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at him, saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but he trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. But I... I'm like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I will hope. For your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt... Someone was out to get you. Maybe it was because of your faith in Christ. Maybe it was because of your nationality. Maybe it was because of the color of your skin. But you felt that someone was out to get you. They had it in for you. They would use any lie in the book to destroy you. Now, it could have been an employee. It could have been an employer. It could have been a supervisor. 
perhaps even a member of your family, or even someone in the church. In Milford, New Hampshire, there's a cemetery, and in that cemetery, there's a gravestone. It dates the name of her birth, her name and her birth, the day of her death, and the year 1838. And the words on this stone are inscribed, age 33. She was accused of lying in church meeting by the pastor and a deacon. She was condemned by the church unheard. She was reduced to poverty. At this point, an inscription states that the matter was closed without any discussion. And the message on that marker concluded, the intentional and malicious destruction of her character and her happiness as above described, destroyed her life. Her last words on the subject were, tell the truth, and this iniquity will come out. Now imagine how that woman, 33 years old, and the indication is she was driven to the grave by the pastor and some deacon and the church's malicious lie about her character. This psalm came because David was being lied about. Saul, his adversary, his relative, his father-in-law, was out to kill him. His jealous eye and envy over David created in Saul a whole scenario of stories that weren't really happening, and he saw David as a threat to him. David, his most loyal subject. Out of all of these suspicions, Saul was bent on destroying David. And there's an inscription on this psalm. It says, uh, it was written when Doeg the Edomite had gone to Saul and told him David had gone to the house of Ahimelech. Ahimelech was a priest. And this priest had given David some bread and given him the sword of Goliath and prayed for him. He didn't know all that was going on. And Saul came, and in a jealous rage, he killed Ahimelech and the other priest. And David, on hearing the message, begins to pray. And his prayer is a prophetic prayer. When life knocks you to your knees. That's when you ought to pray and pray at times prophetically. I want you to notice the first thing, that he prays a prayer of prophetic rebuke. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever sensed spiritual powers coming against you? I remember a time in my own ministry where I, I sensed the enemy was trying to do something in the church. And I began to pray. I went into my prayer closet. I got together with some prayer warriors. And we began to pray against disunity. And I remember there was a tremendous spiritual battle. I could sense it. And when it came time to church, suddenly God's spirit moved and that was broken. I, as I prayed, I prayed, Lord, defeat 
the powers of the darkness. Defeat this enemy that's trying to bring division within our church. And it's not here. I, it was another church where I had pastored. He rebukes. Now watch David's words. He rebukes the boastfulness over empty victories. The text says, why do you boast of evil, you mighty man? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God? What David does is he doesn't start off praying to God. Usually the Psalms start off with God. But maybe his emotions are overwhelming him. He walks into his prayer closet and he begins to pray. Now, this mighty man is a reference, I believe, to Saul, not to Doak. Because Saul is called a mighty man. When David laments Saul's death, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, he calls Saul this mighty man. And again and again he's referred to as that mighty man. It refers to a man of strength, of valor, of power. Saul misused and abused his position. He used his power wrongfully to hurt, to harm, to destroy. God will always hold people in account how they use their position of authority. God will bring every person into judgment in how they use that office management position or that position in the classroom or that position in the church we're all accountable to God and David begins to pray now sometimes we feel overwhelmed by the forces above us or around us but God is the ultimate authority and David didn't all of a sudden lie down and die. Saul wanted to put him six feet under the earth. But he knew God had a purpose in his life. He knew God had a plan for him. And so David begins to pray. Listen, if we don't learn how to pray prophetically, if we don't learn how to pray, I believe that the enemy will just mow over us. Prayer is one of the first lines of defense we have as believers. And there David is. He begins to pray. He doesn't name Saul by name, but I believe he's talking about Saul here. Why do you boast of evil? See, Saul is sitting back saying, what he's doing is right. He's trying to get rid of this revolutionary. He's trying to destroy this traitor. He's trying to get even with this man who is going to somehow divide the kingdom. See, Saul puts his spin on it. Now, we live in a spin zone. People want to put their spin on their sometimes evil intentions. And they dress it up in good garb. As it were, I was reading a story about uh, two men years ago who were uh, on a ship. One was the captain and one was one of the men on the ship, one of the mates. And one day this mate who very rarely ever drank somehow got drunk. And the captain had it in for him. And so he wrote down in the log, mate drunk today. And the mate went to him and pleaded with him. And he said, please take that out of the log. 
because he knew that it could mean that he would lose his job. And the captain refused. So it was the mate's turn to keep the log. And he wrote in the log, Captain, sober today. (laughs) Well, we could put our spin on it. We're to watch very carefully what we say and what we do and how we treat one another. It goes noticed in heaven. Now, he rebukes these empty victories because that's what they are. God will, in the end, weigh every man's life. And some will be found wanting. God will judge every individual. And sometimes what seems like a victory here on earth, and people taunt it as a victory, in eternity it will be seen to be absolutely a defeat. And so David sees through all of this, and it looks like Saul is gaining ground, but Saul doesn't have the favor of God. And that's the bottom line. God's favor on our lives. Now, he rebukes Saul for the methods that he was using. For the methods he used to acquire these empty victories. Your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor. You who practice deceit. You love evil rather than good. Falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word. Oh, you deceitful tongue. Uh, He uses that word. Your tongue's like a razor. A razor's good to shave with. Don't use it to cut someone's throat with. Words can lift people up and help them. But they also can cut through their heart and destroy them. Be careful what we say and how we say it. I want to encourage you, young people. Be careful how you talk about those around you, your your friends and your companions. It's important that we don't just use the gossip mill to destroy the life of any other person. If you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything. Why do you want to take someone else's laundry and put it out? Even if it's true. If God put it under the blood, shut up. Amen. God knows that all of us, if he would reveal the depth of our heart, we would shudder and crawl under the pews. It was Dr. Albert Cantrell, who was a professor at Princeton University. He wanted to conduct an experiment. And so he wanted to see how quick a rumor would spread. He called in six students from the school. And he gave them, he said, this is in strict confidence. I don't want you to tell anyone. He said, the Duke and the Duchess of Windsor are planning to attend a certain university dance here at Princeton. Now, within one week's time, this completely fictitious story spread throughout the whole school. In fact, every student on campus was anticipating this. The town officials called up Princeton. And they were upset, demanding to know why they had not been informed. 
The press agencies were frantically telephoning for the details. Dr. Cantrell observed, that was a pleasant rumor. A slanderous rumor travels far faster. Someone said, there's a lust in man no charm can tame of loudly publishing his neighbor's shame. Hence, on eagles' wings, immortal scandals fly, while virtuous actions are but born and die. Charles Swindoll, in one of his books, wrote at a chapter on misunderstanding. He talks about a young woman who committed suicide. She left an unfinished note, and it simply read, They said. They said. David felt all of the slanders, all of the gossip, that Saul was turning out to destroy Saul, to destroy, rather, David. He felt it keenly. He could have fallen down, and they could have had a funeral for him, and David could have said, it's all over, but David didn't do that. He prayed prophetically. He said, oh, God, stop them. And he spoke, as it were, in the spirit over that situation. Now, I notice what the text says. It says, they love every harmful word. They love evil. Some people just love sin. They're so deeply entrenched in it that it becomes a sport to them. They actually take delight in spinning those words, in turning those double meanings, and destroying and hurting other people. That's what he's saying. I pray that we'll hate sin and we'll love God. That we'll love those who have a pure mouth. And if someone comes around you and wants to put down someone else, run away. If someone comes and wants to slander another character, listen, don't partake of that. Get away from that table. Don't let that feed your soul. But hear, rather, the voice of God and commune with him. Uh, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to avoid that. Now, David took refuge in this. The psalmist recognized that God's covenant cannot be nullified by this powerful man. There may be powers above you that are bent on destroying you, but it cannot overcome the purposes of God in your life. That's why... He said, you who are a disgrace in God's eye. And the Hebrew gives the indication that, listen, God has a covenant of love. And I'm trusting in that covenant of love. And that's what you and I need to do. Well, quickly, we're going to go to the second point. A prophetic prayer of judgment. I'm so thankful we could come to God and express our fear, anxiety, and stresses. Now, I've gone to God at times, and I've gone in anger at someone else. And then God suddenly changes my heart. Suddenly gives me peace on the inside. And, and maybe you've had that experience too. As you go to God and you're upset about this and that, God sort of calms your soul. But he lets you come with that. Isn't that good? He lets you come with it. Don't vent to your wife. Don't vent so much to your husband. Don't vent to your children. Vent to your God. We ought to bring it to God. 
and let God handle the situation. Now, notice God's judgment against the unrighteous. Verses 5. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Judgment was certain. God was going to judge them. You can be guaranteed that God watches over his children. He watches over those that love him, those that serve him, and he is certain to vindicate, to protect, to care for them. So judgment would be certain, and judgment would also be complete. Now listen, the scripture says, I'll bring you down. Picture a, a building being leveled, just brought down. I'll snatch you up, tear you up from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Sometimes one of the greatest trials to believers is the unchecked prosperity of wicked people. It seems like they go on and on and nothing happens. It seems like you pray and pray and nothing happens. But in due time, David would have to wait. David would wait, and one day Saul would be cut off from the land. But I want you to see something. When that happened, David did not rejoice over it. David wept and lamented Saul's death. The Bible tells us not to rejoice even when our enemy is judged. But what the psalm is saying is this, that when judgment comes, we recognize that God meets out justice. We rejoice in that the God we serve is a God of justice. I notice that God's judgments affirm the faith of the righteous. What does it do? In verses 6 to 7, the righteous will see in fear. They will laugh at him saying, here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. Trust in anything but God is trust misplaced. Trust that Saul placed in his wealth, in his army, in his power would not one day be a refuge for him. One day it would be swept away. People are continually trusting in their own wisdom, their own devices. They're trusting in their own abilities. They're trusting in wealth. They're trusting in all sorts of things. Those things will never keep you. Those things will never secure you. Suddenly they're gone. And what happens? It increases the saints' fear of God. It says, the righteous will see and fear. Something happens in the heart of the righteous. All of a sudden, they begin to realize, God, I'm going to hold you in awe, in reverence, because you're a God of your word. When we see the judgments of God on this earth, we grow in our fear and reverence of God. Now, I'm grateful that the judgments of God are not wasted on the believer. The unbeliever just sort of passes by. They don't know. They don't have a clue what's happening. But those who walk with God and fear God see his hand in the events of history, in the events of their lives, and they recognize that, and they grow in their reverence and awe of God. And David said, I'm going to fear you, God. Now, something else happens. Their trust is vindicated. They saw God act. And that's why it says they laughed. They will laugh at him saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth 
and grew strong by destroying others. The Psalms are a wonderful place to turn to when in the midst of the most difficult times in this life. Pastor Ed will be sharing a 14-part series of messages from the book of Psalms with hopes that you'll be encouraged each time you join us. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. Your word.